And it's just, you're losing money hand over fist. I mean, we're losing about $20,000 a month. Wow. And you that. go, you know, how do you recover from that? And anybody who does any underwriting on apartments knows, you know, you do that for two years, any, any type of cash on cash return, IRA, it's, it's out the window. Cause you can't, window, recover, yeah. you can't recover that. Like, Have you ever asked yourself what can go wrong when investing in apartments? What challenges do investors face when dealing with such a large asset class? Well, on the No BS Apartment Investing Podcast, we place expert professionals on the hot seat, ask them the tough questions that may be running through your mind, all while removing the fluff that comes with apartment investing. We aim to put your mind at ease while showing you that investing in apartments is the way to financial freedom. And now for your host, Mark Caesar. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the No BS Apartment Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mark Caesar. And today I have Mr. Eric Lever with us on our hot seat, ready to share an amazing story with our listeners. Uh, quick background on Eric. He's worked in engineer for 20 years, 14 years at uh, General Motors. He started buying and flipping houses 20 years ago, bought his first apartment, uh, first apartment five years ago. He owns a medical office, a construction company, LED lighting company, and started to look at developing. Eric, welcome to the show, sir. I appreciate your your candor and being uh, willingness to be here and share your story. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, so um, I, I love the story. Um, I know we were talking a few minutes ago, um, but let's let's do a little deep dive on further on who you are and you know where you're from and so forth. So I live in uh, Southeast Michigan, uh, just kind of Northeast of Detroit, about 20 miles Northeast of Detroit. Grew up, born and raised here in Michigan. Um, got a wife, been married, so it'll be 17 years in a week, actually. Congrats. Um, I have a 16 year old daughter um, and two dogs. So worked in engineering for 20 years. I grew up in a family business, had rentals growing up with my dad. You know, he had a bunch of rentals. So kind of been around real estate my whole life. My wife is a uh, broker, commercial broker, uh, real estate agent. So kind of been around it my whole life. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so, uh, oh, I mean, since you were pretty much born into into real estate, so there's no need to ask you why, why you jumped into real estate. But um, what... What made you continue to be passionate about real estate outside of your, your dad owning rentals? <clears throat> well, I always saw the ability to make money. And for a long time, you know, when, when I grew up with my dad's rentals, you know, when you're a kid and you'd go, I can remember going to clean out the rentals when somebody would leave or he'd evict them. And so it was kind of funny was my path was always different. Like I always said, man, I'll never have rentals. <laughs> <laughs> right, never go down that road. So I got into to like house hacking before it was a thing, right? So like my first house I bought for eighty grand, lived in it. Well, I completely gutted it and remodeled it, and did all this, added another bathroom to it, and all this stuff, and sold it, made a hundred grand, you know, um, and just started like, well, okay, you can make a lot of money. And I'm, and I went on after working in the family business, then I went on worked in engineering. And would buy houses on the side. My dad and I would buy them. We'd fix them in the winters and stuff or in the summer. You know, in the summer he was busy because his business was a lawn irrigation landscaping company. 
And so in the winters, we'd buy houses and flip them, you know, turn them in the winter and get them ready for spring and sell them in the spring. And, and so we did that for a few years. And then after 20 years of engineering, I just said, uh, and 14 years of General Motors, I went, I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm either going to wind up dead from a heart attack or in jail. Um, if anybody's ever worked in corporate America, you know how, like, just insane <laughs> yeah. that is, right? Yeah. Like, the decisions that are made, and you're like, what? <laughs> um, so I literally walked in seven years ago. I walked in one day, and I set my computer, my phone, and my badge on my boss's desk, so I quit and walked out wow. and never looked back. Um, was taking, I took over the family business. So I was walking into a family business. So, I mean, I had kind of a unique situation where we'd been in business 45 years at that point. My dad had a customer list that was loyal. I mean, um, he wanted to retire at 80 and take care of my mom. Cause she'd had a stroke and I had, was getting dementia. And so he was going to shut the company down. I took it over, said, forget it. I'll take it over. I literally walked in and said, here's my stuff. I'm out. <laughs> um, and we did that for a couple of years, was approached uh, by a co- another company to buy us out. So sold it. And then I was like, well, I guess we can do real estate full time. So we we took the S-Corp that we had that was already our, our other company and just kind of converted it into a construction company um, and just started doing kind of flips. You know, we'd buy bank foreclosures or tax foreclosures and just kind of flip and and do that kind of thing. And one of the customers that my dad had was an actual commercial broker. So I just said, you know, I kind of always want to get into commercial real estate. And so he mentioned apartments. I said, yeah, okay. Maybe I'm like, yeah, I do apartments versus rental homes. Cause that's easier, you know, in my head, again, I didn't read any books. I didn't listen to any podcasts. I didn't know who, you know, I mean, up until about two years ago, I didn't know who Grant Cardone, who Michael Blanc, I mean, any of these guys, these guru, I knew not, I didn't know any of them. Right. And so in my head, I'm going, well, yeah, it's easier to buy an apartment because then you have all your problems in one spot. Right. <laughs> Versus having houses spread out. Correct. And that was my thought. Okay. Well, you learn by trial by fire and you, you realize real quick that it's not the case. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> And then you, you know, and you start getting into it and then you go, oh man, I, you know, I want to grow and I want to, well, I need experience and I need a partner that has experience and money and you got to have, you know, this is the stuff that I thought you needed. So, you know, we met my partner and, um, he had the experience, he had the balance sheet, he had, you know, everything that I thought you needed as a partner to go grow an apartment. And so I thought, well, with my experience in construction and, and just, kind of number crunching being an engineer and processes and and like this is kind of a marriage made in heaven right he's got the balance sheet i got some money but i also have the experience and boots on the ground man we'll, we'll we'll kill it and um so we bought our building that we bought and it was a d asset and when i say d asset um we literally cut the roof off this building is two city blocks long we cut the roof off and retrust the entire property while it was occupied. That's so 
when I see people post stuff online that we're doing a heavy lift and it's basically cabinet replacement and flooring, I kind of chuckle and go, you have no idea what a heavy lift is. <laughs> you beat them to the punch. <laughs> um, so we buy this property. I walk it a couple of times before we submitted an LOI. I said, okay, this property is going to take, you know, seven fifty to a million dollars after closing. It's going to take eighteen to thirty six months based on funding and based on, you know, uh, contractors and how we can line stuff up. And you know, and again, it's I always like to be a little conservative, realizing that you go if you can get this done in eighteen months, that's your that's your best bang for your buck, right? You're going to make the biggest return. You're going to make the most money doing eighteen months. The longer it takes, the more you're going to lose. The worse the numbers look. So. I put this whole proposal together, put a whole email together. So here's what's going to take. Here's, and literally like, here's the budget items. Here's the line items we're looking at. Here's what my estimated cost is going to be. And, uh, I said to my partner, I said, are you sure you want to proceed? And he went, yeah, let's do it. I went, are you sure? Yes. Okay. So we sign on the dotted line. We close on the building and I go, all right, when, when, you, when are you going to put the first draw in for me to get going on this? And then he says to me, well, I'm not putting my own money in the deal. And I went, excuse me? <laughs> you know, you're sitting there thinking, we just signed on the dotted line on this complex that's two city blocks long. I told you it was going to take a million dollars. And the day after we close, you're telling me you're not going to put any money in the account for me to start hitting this project. Wow. And so it just became, it literally became a battle. And, you know, in, in Michigan, you have to have a rental license. So you have to have inspections, city inspections. So again, this is where, you know, this is where vetting partners become so important because so this property it was a $5,200 fee for the city to come out and they do an inspection, right? And then they give you a report of what you got to bring up the code or what you got to do to get the, the landlord license. Right. So I go fill this out. I go write the check for $5,200, send him an email. I get a phone call. Why are you getting the city involved? I'm like, uh, I have no choice. Like, if I don't do this, we get fined. <laughs> right. And then he's like, well, I don't like getting the city involved. Why are you having them caught to do inspections? You know, I don't want to do that. I'm like, that's not really, it's like, huh? Like I don't have, a, it's not me being difficult. That's what we have to do. Correct. And so again, you know, then I find out that essentially he's got a bunch of units, you know, uh, in a different market, and he flies under the radar. He specifically stays a certain unit count below, you know, um, he's an extreme, you know, he's an extremely high value market. And by staying under certain number count in terms of units, right. So he doesn't buy anything that's over say six units, because if you're over six units, then there's certain requirements that kick in in terms right. of having managers on site and different things like that. So, I didn't know that. Again, I didn't know to ask that question. <laughs> so he does his business kind of all under the table. So yeah. when you go in and you buy a two city block long complex, you're not flying under the radar. Like 
you're just not. Correct. And and so he wasn't used to doing business like a legit business. And it just, you know, so he's in an appreciation market and then he doesn't like value add. And I'm kind of wandering among my thoughts because I'm swimming in my head right now. Because <laughs> I could go so many directions with this. <laughs> um, and again, I, you know, like I said, I'm grateful for him. I do have a lot of gratitude. I really do and appreciate him because I'll give you an example. So the property needed windows. It was 300 windows. Okay. And he said, I'm not putting windows in. I said, we don't have a choice. The insurance company wants windows. The city wants windows. It's a health and safety thing. Like there's not, it's not an option. We actually argued about the windows for two years. Wow. Right. And I, it was, it, and I'll, I'll take, it was my relationship with the city that I was able to keep them at bay. Okay. Right. Um, so that's another thing. When you get into this, I mean, develop really good relationships with cities and city officials because that, that can make your life so much easier. Um, cause they can make your life a living hell. And there's, you know, the, the old phrase fight city hall. Yeah. Good luck. Right. Um, so anyway, so for two years we battle on buying windows. He doesn't want to buy windows. So, and I was getting quotes, $180,000, $200,000 for windows. So after about a year, year and a half of battling him going, okay, like we got, we have no choice. The insurance company is threatening to cancel us. We don't have windows, right? It was missing screens. The locks didn't work. They didn't close properly. I mean, there was a whole bunch of laundry list of items, right? And he kept trying to tell me, we'll just go buy a lock from Home Depot for $2 and put it on there. I'm like, that's not going to solve the problem, right? <laughs> right. And so I started calling window manufacturers, right? Got a construction company, got a tax ID, got a builder's license. So I started calling window manufacturers and I probably went through a dozen or more, probably close to two dozen window manufacturers. And I knew eventually I would find somebody to say, yeah, you can rep my windows. So I became a window rep and a door rep, right? I became a cabinet rep. I rep flooring because he forced me to think outside the box essentially. Right. So the benefit is the thing I learned was think outside the box, right? Don't just go, Oh, it's a quote. It's $200,000. Oh, just sign a check. No, go think outside the box. How can I do this cheaper? Well, I can buy the same windows, 300 windows. I'm buying for $30,000 versus 200,000. <laughs> right. Correct. So I was able to save us money. Right. Because he may force me to think outside the box. So because of that, now I know I bring a lot of value to people. I bring a lot of value to other team. If I form another team or I get other partners, I bring value because I can get materials at wholesale pricing. Right. Um, so it's not, I don't want you to feel like I'm bashing the guy because I, I am and I'm not, you know, it's, it's frustrating on my end when you go, you know, what's a million dollars in your net worth? It's, it's, what is it? 1% maybe. Right. Correct. Um, but his mentality is just, well, I don't put money in these buildings. So it's been this battle uh, and it's just, you're losing money hand over fist. I mean, we're losing about $20,000 a month. Wow. And you that. go, 
you know, how do you recover from that? And anybody who does any underwriting on apartments knows, you know, you do that for two years, any, any type of cash on cash return, IRA, it's, it's out the window. Cause you can't, the window, recover, yeah. you can't recover that. Like that's gone. Right. Right. And just because you have a partner who's high net worth and you, you spell it all out for them. You put it in the underwriting. You put the package. Look, look, here's what's happening. But his attitude is, I don't need the money. I don't care. You know, and in the meantime, I'm on the front end. I'm on the front line because I got the city, you know, sending me letters. And, and every time I'm at the property, they're, they're cornering me. I got insurance companies threatening me, you know, um, and, and you do the best you can. And I press forward. I mean, you know, I could show you pictures of this property and go, you know, yeah, I mean, you'd be amazed what we got done with, with what I had to do, you know, what I had to work with. And, he, and he's put money in because he's had to. He's been forced to do it, right? But it's always been this battle. Like, you just go, okay, I need 100 grand to go do X. And, you know, you'll sit there for six months and nothing happens. And then I start getting these letters from the city or something. And I'll just start sending them to him. Or I've gone into the city and said, well, here's his phone number. You call him. <laughs> Right. Cause it's like, you know, I mean, cause you're not listening to me, you know? Yeah. That, wow. I mean, that, that is a scary story. Um, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, did you personally have any, um, capital invested into the deal yes. with the, okay. Yes. So you're pretty much taking a loss on your end yes. as well. Yes. Wow. Yes. That is that is crazy, y'all. That's uh, and like you alluded, that's why it's very important to to oh. know to vet whoever you're you're doing business with because one hundred percent. And then here's the here's the crazy part. So recently, it's kind of come to a head, and I said we had an option for a bridge loan on the table. Right now, we own the building free and clear. Okay. And all the money that's been put into it has been funded by us. Right. So there's two and a half million dollars of capital sitting in this building. <laughs> okay. The property should be worth, if we got it done, it would be worth five, five and a half million. Right. So I had a bridge loan lined up. And he refused to do it. And I'm like, wait a minute, we get all our money back, right? Correct. And then we just got to make the payment for the next year till we get the property done, right? Because then I'll have the capital to go bang it out just to go get it done. And he's like, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, why not? I'm like, you get all your money back. I get my money back. We just got to make a say $15,000 a month payment because it's interest only for the next year. And at some point in that year, the property will start cash flowing better because as you get units online, they get rented. Right. I mean, correct. And he just, he says, I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay. I said, well, he goes, I don't think the property can support a $3 million loan. I go, when it's done. And he goes, yeah. I go, Okay. I'm like the property will generate between five hundred and forty to five hundred and ninety thousand dollars a year gross rents. The 
based on current market rents, right? And knowing what I know of the area. I mean, rents, units get done, they rent, right? And you go, okay, I'm pretty sure those numbers support a $3 million loan, but okay. So I said, well, then, then we're time, it's time to sell it. And we go back and forth on that. And he says, well, because if we're selling it, I want $4 million. And I'm like, wait a minute. I go, if you don't think the property would support a $3 million loan, why do you think somebody would pay you $4 million for it? When they still have to put probably another five hundred grand in it. <laughs> wow. Right? I mean, that is. so that's the kind of mentality. So you, and, and again, had I known that about him, I never, ever, ever would have bought this property with him, ever. Right, because it's like you're you're bleeding me to death, and you don't care because you're getting the losses on your taxes, and you don't need the money, and it's really not putting a dent in your your net worth. Right, I mean, it's like what do you like? I said, what do you got? One and a half, maybe two percent of your net worth, maybe. You know, what I mean, it's, right. like, it's nothing to you. Um, so it's just one of those things that you know now. You know, when I talk to people about forming partnerships and doing stuff, I like have a questionnaire. I ask them a lot of questions. I ask, what do they do? What do they, they currently own? You know, who are their partners? You know, all kinds of questions. You know, what's your mindset? You know, are you a appreciation guy? Are you a value add guy? Do you know, understand what value add is? Do you understand what heavy lift is? You know, um, you, because you just got to know because otherwise you get in a situation and this is ongoing. This is not like I'm in the process of trying to unwind this. And it's, it's, it's kind of all consuming, you know, like it's, it, you keeps you frozen to some degree because you can't move. Right? right. You can't make a move over here. Cause I got this problem over here. I got to deal with, you know? Yeah. Wow. So, it, and if I may ask, was this like your, your first apartment deal when you just, when you pivoted into the space or, this was our second deal. So we had bought, we had bought a property land contract from an owner. Um, that, and the, the, the land contract, uh, owner ended up becoming my mentor. Um, and taught me a ton about apartments, taught me a ton about triple net, um, he's actually the one I bought the medical building. We bought the one medical building we have, we bought off of him. Um, he's got other properties that, you know, it's, and he's so willing to share and just like, I can hop on the phone with him and talk for hours. And, um, you know, so that's, and that's the other thing about this. It's, it's get a mentor in this, in this field, you know? Yeah. And I kind of, you know, Tom, I kind of, it, it kind of fell into Tom's mentorship. Right. Okay. Um, and again, I wasn't seeking anything. I just, you know, once we closed on the one deal and we had it for I don't know, a year, I think it was and you know, we'd send emails back and forth or whatever. And I called him one day just to kind of ask him a question about something. And we started talking and then he started offering up information. And so I started asking more questions and then he was like, well, you know, we started talking about the, the apartment got building I bought off of him, And he's like, well, send me some pictures of stuff you've done. So I sent him pictures and he was like, wow, he goes, that's incredible. What are you getting for rent? And oh, I'm getting this. He's like, wow, that's great. You know? And, um, and then we just, the friendship just kind of went off from there. And you know, now it's this, 
like I said, it's, it's, I've learned more from him and we've talked in depth about partnerships. I've talked to him about this partnership, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, he was like, well, he goes, Eric, I wish I'd known you a little better because I'd have told you not to do it. You know, and I, cause I'd have told you these questions to ask him and I'd have told you that. And I'm like, well, I wish I'd have known that. Right. But lesson learned. And again, I, you know, I, I, my wife says I got my PhD in, you know, apartment investing and partnerships all in the same breath. And so I, I don't, I don't have harbor ill will towards, like I said, it's, it's, it is what it is. And you just, you go, okay, lesson learned, move on. Right. Correct. I mean, it's, it's all you can do. And you go, I won't do it again. I won't, um, make the same mistake. Right. And so that's, Kind of why I'm on here because we we like I said uh, I think it was Jim Biggs who made a post and I kind of typed a little response to it and then you reached out and I was like yeah I'll tell the yeah. story like you know <laughs> you want to do this great I mean I and and I would encourage anybody and their brother to do it but just make sure you know who you're getting in bed with before you do it because yeah you know and and again these you know high net worth individuals some of them tend to be a little bit. Um, you know, nonchalant about stuff, but they also know they can outlast. Like Mike, you know, he knows he can outlast me. If that makes sense, understood. Right? So, if things go sideways, it becomes a you know, he knows he knows he can outlast me. He knows he can outspend me. He knows he you know like you know, um, and that's not the position you want to be in necessarily. And that's not a position that's not a partner you want, right? If you're going in to yeah. be a partner with somebody, you want to be a partner with them, right? Correct. Everybody brings value. And everybody has something to add, right? And if you're the person on the ground and you know the market, well, I don't care how much the guy's worth or how much the person's worth, they should listen to you. Correct. And if you're not willing to listen before, I mean, don't do it. <laughs> I agree. Do it. I completely agree. So, man, that, uh, that, (laughs) I, I for sure, I, I'm very, I'm very green to the space while I'm, I'm new to the space and I'm, you know, I, I vet everyone. That's the first thing that I definitely learned. Um, and now that you reinforced it again, it's okay. You know, just make sure you ask a ton of questions because, you know, as you as you alluded, once you get into a partnership or so-called a marriage with with a business partner, it's easy to start it, and it can be very detrimental and costly to break it up. Yeah. So, with with that said, um, would it what would be your next plan? Like, <clears throat> I know I know you guys are going um, back and forth, uh, you know, litigations and so forth, and how how has that made you outside of you know knowing um, questions to ask and so forth how has that situation molded you and made you a savvier investor with you know whatever you're working on now or future future endeavors well you know part of it is interesting you know a lot of this is is it is mindset right and you have to get control of your emotions that's one thing i learned right so I think, I feel, I'll put it this way. I feel that my partner liked the drama, right? If I got emotional, if I got mad, 
right? Okay. Because then that would justify him saying, well, that's why I'm not doing this. Right? Correct. And so I learned to keep my emotions in check, right? Even though it's a lot of money, right? Um, it's just matter of fact. You stick to the, you stick to the numbers. And then when, when he makes a crazy statement like, well, I don't think the property can support a $3 million mortgage, but I want to sell it for $4 million. Okay, well, if you don't think it'll support a $3 million mortgage, why do you think somebody would pay you $4 million for it? Right? Um, right. And I've held him accountable on things. And, and that's the other thing that I found that some people don't like being held accountable. Right? I've made mistakes. I'll take blame in the, on this too. Right? Um, there were things that I could have done differently, and I admit it. And it just makes you, uh, it makes you ask more questions, right? Instead of getting caught up in the, oh, okay, this, this is the partner of my dream, right? He's high net worth and he's got liquidity. Oh, this is the guy I want because we just go bang things. No, right? I don't care what you have, what you don't have. I don't care what you're worth. If your mindset and your, your thought process are not aligned, right? Um, th- then it's not worth, it's not worth getting in, in a marriage with. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it's like dealing with this in terms of, you know, how to break this apart. And in the end, you talk about, you know, litigation, blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, here's the thing with any of that, right? It becomes, you know, if you go down the path of litigation, nobody wins. Right. Yeah. You don't. If 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 your partner can outlast you, you're not going to win. Right. Um, even if you have a good solid case. Now you can you can eventually maybe win, and it'll cost you a lot of money, and it'll cost him a lot of money, and then at the end, who won? Right. Yeah, it's a lose lose. Nobody. It's a lose lose. Okay. So you want to try to when you get in a situation like this, and I've learned that you just. You, you know, again, you stick to the numbers, stick to the facts. Like I said, like he said the other day, it won't support a $3 million mortgage, but I want to sell it for $4 million. Well, And I literally just went, well, if you, won't, if you don't think it'll support that, why, do, why would somebody buy it for that? Right? And, and, you know, people sometimes, you know, they tend to, you know, when you throw their words back at them, then they start to stumble, right? Because they're, they're, they're trying to eat their cake, you know, have their cake and eat it too, right? Yeah. Um, and so you just kind of go, well, explain it to me, right? And then when they can't, they, well, uh, you know, okay, all right. I'm just, you know, and again, I wasn't mad. I was calm about it. You know, I, you know, um, and so you want to avoid that at all costs. And, and I, even, I even said that to him. I'm like, look, I said, we need just to figure out how to get rid of this, right? Either I'm selling, you're buying me out, I'm buying you out or we're selling, I'm like, cause to go down the path of this litigation path, I said, nobody's going to win, you know? And again, that's document everything, right? I have everything documented. I have emails, I have contracts. I have, I mean, things are signed, notarized, recorded. I mean, everything. Right. And so sometimes people will lose sight of that. <clears throat> and I think, you know, to some degree he did, he, you know, he starts pulling stuff and I'm like, well, actually here's the contract. And then, then he, you know, Right. So again, that's, I learned to cover my tail. Right. Um, 
and, and again, that's just smart business, right? That that's right. you know, um, you want to you want to make sure everything your eyes are dotted, your T's are crossed, your ducks in a row. And it's just the, that's that's really what you want to do. Um, yeah. And then there's other red flag. I mean, if you if you start to talk to somebody and they start going, well, you know, pay them cash or do this or cut that off or you know, I, you know, again, understand something. When you get into apartments or commercial real estate, it's a business, right? And if you've been buying houses on the side and flipping them or doing, you know, if that's your business, right? You know, you can, you know, you can, you know, if you're if you're even if you're a, a general contractor and you're just doing homes here and there or doing it right, you know, that, trust me, man, I've been in this business a lot. The people do stuff all under the table. They pay this guy cash so they don't have to write, you know, right. I mean, okay. But you start getting commercial real estate, you know what I mean? It's, you can't do that. Right. Cause now it becomes a, a legit business. Correct. And so you want to, again, that's you, you document everything. And, and, and again, there's red flags of people. So if you're talking to them and, you know, hey, oh, yeah, you got 200 doors, you got 2,000 doors, and you start talking to them and they start telling you little things that they're doing that are kind of like, and they're red flags, right? And you go, okay, it's not really how you run a legit operation, right? Correct. Um, just be aware that if you choose to, to get married with them, they're going to want you, especially if, they're, if they have the control wand of having the money, Right. So like in, in, in my, I actually technically have operational control because I'm boots on the ground. Okay. Right. <clears throat> and, and if you read the operating agreement, like I could go get a loan and I don't necessarily need him, like his approval. Right. Like I could just go get the loan. And so like we had a loan lined up and I was going to go just sign it and just go get the money to go finish the job. And I did what I thought was the right thing. Again, this is, you know, to me, it's if you're, if, just be honest, right? And the truth always comes out. So it's just like, to me, it's like, yeah. So I went and I said, I called him and I said, hey, you know, I got this loan lined up. It's going to give us the, a lump sum, like we can go finish this and blow it out, right? And I said, here are the conditions of the loan. Just let you know before I sign it. And he blew up, threatened me with a lawsuit. If I signed it, he's not signing it. I said, I don't need you to sign it. You know, he goes, well, I'm not making the pay. I'm not doing this. I'm like, I don't need you to do it. And then it goes on. I said, read the operating agreement. Right. So then I, I, I literally re-emailed him the operating agreement that he signed. (laughs) Right. And highlighted what it said and go, Right. And then he says, if you do this, he goes, I'll be, uh, you know, we'll, you know, this and that. And I'm like, like, man, calm down. Like, I don't understand what this, like, right. It's like, and I go, it's like, you want this to fail. Mm. Right. Yeah. And he wouldn't talk to me for three months. And so the project literally sat there for three months. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, this is just insane. And so he felt he still had control and he, and, and he exerted his control through his money. Right. So, and that's something that I didn't have. And I lesson learned that wasn't spelled out. Right. Like, and so like, I know if I ever do this again with anybody else, 
that's a high net worth individual, it is going to be spelled out that here's how much you're going to put in at day of closing. Here's what the draws are. Here's what I have to report on. You know, it'll be literally spelled out. And if they don't live up to that end of the agreement, then they forfeit the property. Right. Correct. Um, because trust me, I've talked with attorneys. So, I mean, <laughs> cause I'm like, this may be going that direction. And even though I'm trying to avoid it, because again, it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. It, 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 it doesn't lead to anything positive. Right. So right. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> no, it, it definitely does. And I appreciate you detailing it out. So let's, let's sort of unravel it uh, a little, you know, take a step further. I know with, um, with heavy reposition, heavy lifts, you know, you have to, it, it's pretty much like, a, I'll call it like a gut, a gut fixer up or whatever, you know? So dealing with the city, like what are different things that you'd have to deal with the city with? And I know um, another tie to tie another question into that as well. I know from speaking with rehabbers, you know, you don't want to get on the city's bad side. You don't want to make them your friend. So what are things you want, you would, you know, recommend to people who are aspiring in the space to, to look for and to stray away from when dealing with the city and when I'm, you know, on a heavy lift. We hope you enjoyed this week's amazing episode with our special guest, Eric Lever, who shared how a bad partnership led to a 20 K per month loss. Tune in next week for part two and learn how Eric managed the situation and stay updated on what's going on. Until next time.